This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, guys, working class on DeerCast episode 42. I even looked before we got going, so I knew. Um, Brian Weiss is joining me this week. What's up, brother? Hey, not much. How about yourself? Oh, you man. You've been busy. We've been busy, but busy good, you know? Not uh, not busy bad. There's definitely a difference, so. Yeah, you just got back from Africa, it looked like. Yeah, it was every bow hunter has to go one time. That's my perception on it now. So was that water buck, like, you know, it said, you said SCI gold. I don't, what does that mean? So I don't really even know, like, you know what I mean? We're so familiar with like Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett, like scoring systems that a lot of those animals I'm asking our pH, which you have to have a pH sit with you because otherwise you don't know what you're hunting or what you're shooting, you know? And like, they all look big to me. You know, so a big water buck comes in. I'm like, I don't know. That looks big. You know, the first one I did see, I was like, hey, is that a big one? He's like, no, that's not big at all. And I'm like, oh, well, it looks big to me, you know, because they're, <laughs> they're a bigger animal, you know, like, I don't know, 600-ish pounds, maybe 550, something like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that water buck that I ended up shooting, he's like, that's a really big one. But they also, they're good at, like, not getting you super excited. It'd be like if you had a guide with you or if you were guiding a new whitetail hunter and a 190 walked out. You'd have to be like, yeah, that's a big one. Um, we should probably shoot this one. Because if you were like, it's a super giant, you got to shoot it. Don't mess it up. <laughs> You'd then, be shaking. <laughs> yeah. So they're pretty good at doing that. Um, my sable and my water buck were like, from what they tell me, it's like killing a 200-inch whitetail. Oh. Because so, wow. my pH knew whitetails as well. He lives in Texas in the off – well – what he considers the off season. So he comes back to the States and lives in te Texas in the summer when it's summer there, it's winter over there right now. So he's over there guiding hunts and stuff like that. So he knows whitetails. 
So he was putting that stable is wild the way it kind of curved forward, you know. Yeah, they're like a a mystical wizard horse is what they look like when they walk around. They're crazy looking. Uh, we were joking around. They have like a purple aura when they walk around. Really? They, that's, they, don't, that's cool. they don't really, but they carry themselves like so proud and confident and just it's hard to explain until you see one, man. You got to go. You definitely have to go. So what's the strategy? I mean, I've never like, what do you do? Are you just sitting water holes? How does that work? Yeah, so this time of year, it's like you basically look at the water like it's your food plot because it's there's not a lot of food there right now. All the leaves are up the trees and bushes and everything, and they have to drink water. You know, it's still, even though it's winter, it was getting like mid-high 90s during the middle of the day. So once you hit like 10, 11, noon, 1 o'clock, everything would, it ha- they have to drink. So, um, yeah, you basically, depending on what you want to hunt, you kind of have an idea what's in the area, just how you'd pick a tree stand or a ground blind. Um, you know, if you know, there's a one sixty over there and one thirties over here, you're going to try and go where the big boys are living. Um, and about when you think they, they got a drink and, um, they all had pretty good ideas like, oh yeah, like a kudu normally hits water about 1030, you know, like that's their drinking time, like estimated, you never really know. Mm-hmm. Um, so water was like the main strategy. And then I guess, you know, you're playing the, the odds a little bit too, just like in whitetail hunting, you know, if you want to hunt a 180, you're not going to see a 180 every sit. So, um, you're going to see a lot of smaller ones and waiting out for that, that big one or, or a mature one, you know? So do you sit all day or how does that work? We did, um, we'd sit from, we actually, we wouldn't get out there right at daylight. We'd get there. I don't know, seven 30. So, cause nothing really hits the water real, real early. Um, once the heat starts getting up, then they start hitting the water and then we'd sit to, we'd sit to about two o'clock, get a quick lunch, or we'd skip lunch or bring a lunch and then sit all the way till dark and it'd get dark about six 30 there. So, um, long, long sits, but it was fun. You gotta go. How long was your flight? Oh, geez. Long. Uh, I think we had 40 five hours in travel with layovers on the way back on the way there i wasn't really feeling that great so i kind of had that where i'm like counting every minute of the flight you know like in the long flights how they have that monitor in front of you and it tells you how much time you have left i was like counting the minutes down so on the way there was way worse and i was like this better be worth it and you're trying to sleep to where you're going so you don't have jet lag oh it's yeah the travel's not fun and we were all like, this trip better be worth it, because if it's not worth it, this sucks. Um, it's well worth it. You you definitely have to go. I'm telling you, if you're passionate about bow hunting, you got to have that like Africa experience. You know, it's just I think it's something every bow hunter needs to have. What's the neatest animal you saw? The sable are pretty cool. They're hard to beat, man. Sable, uh, kudu are pretty cool. I'm just interested in all of them because they're so new. They're so different from what we're used to. So to me, right. it's just so interesting. And it's cool to like talk to the PHs. It's like they know, I don't know how many planes game there is, like 30-something species. They have to know them all really well because they're professionals, you know. Um, they know every animal like we know whitetails. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's so impressive. Your guy from Texas is pretty impressive. He, he was the coolest dude. Because you, you can sit there, you're in the blinds, and it, it's, you know, you sit in the back of the blinds, it's dark, and they're pretty quiet in there. They kind of keep in the sound. So you can whisper and talk. And um, 
I think around the end of the trip, he's just like, dude, will you shut up and quit asking me questions? He wasn't really, but I, I did ask him. I'm like, are, are you getting annoyed with me? Because every question, you know, animal come out and be like, hey, tell me about these. Like, you know, explain. I want to know all the details. Just how we do whitetails, you know, we're, we're infatuated with them. So that's how I was trying to be with all the African game. It was fun. Yeah. Well, thanks the time go by and, you know, learning yeah. something new. And is there anything you learn strategy-wise that you can take back and maybe bow hunt and whitetail, something that you learned or a tactic that? You know, it's there probably is, you know, if I combed it down and, and, and thought about it more and picked something out. But, like, the basic – I have a hard time sitting in ground blinds on the ground because like your visibility and I just lose interest if I'm whitetail hunting and I find myself like not really being as hyper-focused as I would be from an elevated sit. Um, they taught me how to sit on a ground blind, even though you can't see 360 around you, you know, it's, that'd be the, probably the most exchangeable hunting tactic that I learned, but um you got to go if, oh, I'm, we're going again you're coming with yeah. how's that uh, yeah let me know when you're going one we're, of these days and you did it with a young kid at home too that's i'm sure tough too it is tough but you know we're gone 10 days and like there's wi-fi at camp but we're wanting to go back and do a working class bow hunter camp so listeners can come with us and we're going to put together like a really affordable package because it's not like expensive how people think you know it's not 30 grand like everybody thinks like Doug, one of the co-hosts, someone messaged him. was like, how much did you have on that trip? 30 or so 25 or 30. And he's like, no, not even like, I, I would have guessed that. No, not even, not even close. Like you're sub $5,000 for five. Oh, wow. Like you're spending wow. more on your tips. Cause you want to, the people over there are so awesome. You want to tip them in your mm -hmm. flight. And we procrastinated on our flight. We could have saved our flight was $1,600. When we first looked and we were kind of hem hawing, seeing if we were going or not, weren't sure we're going what week, they were like 750 bucks for flight. Oh, wow. There and back. So we could have wow. saved a lot more money, but for five animals, it's almost a thousand an animal. Very affordable. That's affordable. And then coming back, do you have a lot of expense and that sort of a thing, getting them back home? Or? So it's up to you. You can either, uh, you can either, mount it mount them there and with the exchange rate it's about half price um and then they crate them and ship them over and that's the quickest way to get your animals back or you can uh what's cool about who we went with that taxidermist is friends with our taxidermist here and our taxidermist here does african animals and can do the shipping and all that so we don't really have like that middle man brokerage deal and that's going to be the cool thing that if listeners go with us so we could have just had everything cleaned and salted and all that and then shipped to our taxidermist and then mounted in the states um but we're leaning it's we'll get the animals back quicker we're not putting the pressure on our taxidermist with you know 25 animals to get them done and right. we want them back quick you know because it'd be two years before it'd be a year before he even got them and then, you know, another year, year and a half, two years for him to get through all those animals on top of the whitetails and turkeys and all right. that stuff that Old Barn does. Right. So we'd opted to just get them mounted there and then they crate them all custom sized mm -hmm. to that. And then we all split the cost of the crate. So, awesome. yeah, Dude, that's so cool. It's awesome, man. You got to go. But enough talk about me. We're not here to talk about me and my trips and stuff like that. That's interesting. It, you got to go. I'm just telling you. I will keep you in the loop next next plan. I'm hoping 2024 we can get a big group to go. Um, 
Because if you're going to go, you want to go with people you can hang out with and have fun, you know? Absolutely. That's the funnest part of camp. Oh, yeah. It is. It, everything about the whole experience, minus the travel, was incredible. So, awesome. yeah, get people's wheels turning a little bit on it. But and we love hunting water holes here at home. It's been a big deal for us the last couple of years. So, has it really? Oh, yeah. What turned you on to hunting water holes for whitetails? Drought. <laughs> yeah, right. Drought, okay, you know, we, we've had a big drought the last couple of years. And so, we've been putting water holes in our food plots actually. Oh, last really? Year, Yep, I got uh, my buck in Nebraska was right on a water hole November 7th, and it was like 80 degrees that day. And I felt confident because of the water hole, and there's no water uh, between me and the food. And so his closest water is actually food plot that didn't grow, but it had a water hole. So how, how are you putting a water hole in it? Like, can you break down, like, how so, you... So, like, Tractor Supply has, like, 110-gallon tanks, and we just... This one was actually above ground. I just, I didn't have time to dig it in the ground. And so we just set it above ground and filled it up. There's a cattle tank not too far away on my stepdad's place. Mm -hmm. So we filled up, you know, one of those tanks I could put in the back of the truck and just filled it up every couple of months. No kidding. So you're already ready to hunt Africa. It's like almost, I mean, they'd have like concrete pits for them and pumps to get the water there, but um, no kidding above just a raised, Cattle. Yeah, it was nuts. And and to think that it works, I mean, it worked. It was just like a food plot draw, only it was a water tank. Great for pictures. I mean, yeah, it was, we, we almost have water tanks at almost all of our spots now because we've wow, that's interesting. That a great addition. See, I've never, I've, I've hunted near water before, but never like on a pond specifically for that, for, with whitetails. I've never, um, I see guys put in, Similar to what you're saying, that they'll kind of dig down and put like some, I don't know, like kind of like visqueen and mm-hmm. cover it with dirt and then fill it with water. And I've seen guys dig and bury tanks and stuff like that. I've personally never done it. I wonder if that's something I'm majorly overlooking. Well, and we're farther west too. It's we don't get as much rain as you do either. And so it might help us more than, you know, maybe where you guys are farther east get more rain. Yeah. At the same time, you know. If, if it's on the edge of your food plot, it's not hurting anything anyway. Right. So if they are thirsty, it might be that one extra thing, put it at 40 yards, the other side of your food plot. And it just might be the thing that gets them in range. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, it's overlooked. Cause you guys are, where are you guys at? I mean, you don't got to say the town you're in, but you're in Nebraska. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Nebraska. Yep. Yep. So both Cody and I mainly hunt Nebraska. We do a lot of hunting South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana as well. Mm-hmm. Um, both both sides of the state, Nebraska as well. So we have some hunting out in the Panhandle. We do some mule deer hunting. Uh, this year I have an antelope tag and a cow elk tag. So that's pretty awesome. All for Nebraska. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nebraska actually has some you know world class elk hunting. Believe that. It's so um, overlooked. I feel I feel because we did the uh, Nebraska big game show the last couple oh, yeah. of years. You know, we actually yeah. saw you there. That's where we met. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you see some of the elk around and you hear people talking about them. Like, I feel like Nebraska is pretty slept on a lot. It's overlooked a lot. Well, it's for residents and landowners for the t- uh, elk tags. And so non-residents, you can't have a tag. That's fair so for you that's guys. Why. Yeah. I mean, it's a lifetime tag. If you're a non-landowner, it's a once in a lifetime tag. And so it's, it's a coveted tag hard to get, but I have friends across the state that get them every year and kill some giant bulls. 
No kidding. And then do you chase a lot of muleys in Nebraska usually, or is it, I mean, what's preferred there? Cause there is muleys more Western end of the state, but like, yeah. So we're in like the transition country essentially. So East end of Nebraska is all white tails. As you head West, it transitions into mule deer. And where we hunt out in the panhandle, it's 90, 95% mule deer. Then you'll get some white tails down in the river bottoms. Uh, we have a CRP field that I saw a white tail on last year. That was, you know, 110 inch white tail. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's mainly mule deer out there. And Nebraska has, you know, mainly white tails to the east and then mule deer to the west. And mm-hmm. that's what's fun about the state, you know, is we can hunt a diversity and a diversity of uh, tactics as well. So it's, it's fun yeah. and it makes you a well-rounded hunter as well. You see, hearing that makes me wonder, like, I love Illinois. Like, I think Iowa, Illinois, debatable, like, the king of whitetail states, right, in the country, mm-hmm. for, for the most part, right? There's big deer everywhere, really, nowadays. Um, but, it, it, like, hearing you say that makes me like, man, Nebraska would be cool. I always think, like, if I ever moved, like, South Dakota, you know, you get East River, West River, mm-hmm. you know, there's mule deer. There's, I love South Dakota. Yeah, amazing state. You know, I got some great friends that hunt up there, and you know, you go to their trophy room, and it's like divided, all big East River whitetails, like just yeah. how we kill in Illinois, and then the other side is all big West River muleys, and it's mm-hmm. like, man, that is that opens up the door for so much opportunity if you live there, and it kind of makes you a really well-rounded bow hunter, being able to stay in your state and drive a few hours and almost being a different completely airy you know? a lot of those guys will spot and stalk and the next day sit in a tree stand all day you know yeah. it's 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 amazing a lot of those guys are really good hunters because they're hunting a diversity of of methods and yeah. it's neat. i love south dakota it's one of my favorite states it's not my favorite deer hunting state yeah there's just so much but that's a good point you know if you could you could almost split up your like if the hunting slow the movement slow you're like, all right, well, I'm going to spot and stock for four days until something changes or mm-hmm. a, a cold front comes in or whatever. And I'm going to go back to sitting in this funnel in my tree stand and then I'll go spot and stock. Like, I'm kind of, I'm jealous of that really when you, when you think about it, because that's, that keeps yeah. you fresh, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and there's a time and a place for all of it, right? Nothing, mm-hmm. you know, love tree stand hunting, but sometimes it's nice to get out in the dirt and start walking and see what yeah. you see. And uh, it's, it's fun. All of it is. Yeah. So you said you're going to Wyoming this year. What's the game plan for mm-hmm. Wyoming? Yeah, so we're going to be hunting central Wyoming. I've been hunting eastern Wyoming, but I did not get a tag drawn this year. And then I was lucky enough to get a leftover tag. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to a place I've never hunted before. And, you know, essentially we'll be hunting. There's this um, kind of like a river or creek bottom with some pivots around it. And so it'll be very open country. Uh, the hills around are just you know, big, dry hills, essentially. And then mm-hmm. white tails down that go, you know, to the food down in the bottoms. And so it'll be a lot of ground blind hunting, I suspect. Um, yeah. You know, we'll scout and try to set up on something the next night, essentially, is what we're going to do. So I've never been here before. Um, so it'll be a learning experience as well. That'll be cool to see you guys kind of figure that out because you got to figure it out quicker, you know, be limited time. But when does season in Wyoming open? So September 1, um, our cow elk tag and antelope season starts in Nebraska uh, actually next weekend. Cow elk's actually oh, in now. It's coming so fast. we're going out next weekend. Cody's got a uh, bow antelope tag. Um, I have a cow elk tag. And then 
we probably won't head out to Wyoming until probably the maybe, you know, like the third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in there. Yeah. Depending on what's going on, if we have a big deer showing up at home, we're going to hunt that deer at home. But if we mm-hmm. don't, we'll probably head out west, you know, that, you know, middle of the first week, second week. Yeah. And then, uh, bow hunt out there. Man, that's crazy to think like the summer's gotten away from me. Like season's opening for you guys next weekend. Like you're going to be next hunting. Next week. <laughs> Gotta love it. And it's different. You know, when you're, you know, you're Illinois, Iowa, you're used to October. Yeah. And, uh, that's one of the things I like is early season. I love early season. September 1st to the 15th is some of my favorite times. See, and that I don't ever get to hunt whitetails that early. You know, I've never, you know, I'm going, I'll be elk hunting in Wyoming about the same time you said you're going, mm-hmm. but um, I've always wanted to kill a velvet whitetail and I could, you know, it's Nebraska's not that far. I'm sure I could go and figure that out or go to one of these like, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, where season opens early. I know there's an opportunity to kill velvet whitetails there, but um that's got to be awesome. You're, you're still catching these deer on almost a summer pattern at that point, right? Or it's probably re- just about to change there. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, we hunt eastern Nebraska. September one is basically when it changes, and very, you'll get a couple of smaller bucks that seem to hold velvet, maybe a big buck here or there. Most of the time, September second, third, the velvet's gone. Mm-hmm. When you go to like Wyoming, it seems like they hold it for a, a week longer or so. And yeah. So, you want to kill a velvet buck i would tell you wyoming's your best bet really what do you prefer do you prefer because there's this debate with one of my buddies who's a big mule deer guy he hates velvet he hates it mm-hmm. i think it's cool because i don't ever have the opportunity it's it's more foreign to me i guess or special mm-hmm. how are you because you kind of you're on that line right I, yeah i like the i like different right so yeah. i like you know velvet deer i've shot two and I will say this with the velvet is when you're dragging that deer, man, you have to be so careful. That's very easy to damage. And that would, to me, that's one of the disadvantages to hunting velvet deer is you, you really have to be concerned with the velvet. And so yeah. uh, it's fun. You know, I like it all. Um, yeah. Summer pattern hunting to me is a lot of fun. Scouting, I mean, you feel like you know, you, you're hunting one particular deer most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so he comes out, there's a lot of, uh, buildup and a lot of fun. For those yeah. Hunts. What, what are you looking forward to the most coming in? You know, let's go September 15th and up till now. I mean, you have, you guys have a lot kind of crammed in, mm-hmm. in just a few weeks span here. Um, so I, how are you focused on one thing over the other? Are you just rolling with the motions? What's the game plan? We roll with the motions. Uh, you know, we're going to hunt MRI and, uh, yeah. if we have, you know, we have, antelope showing up on a water hole that's where we're going to go if we have deer showing up at home that's where we're going to go if we don't we'll head out west and, and and try bow hunting you know uh in wyoming and so it just yeah just depends what we have going on and, <laughs> it's uh, good to have options i guess at that point right well it's hard because you know you gotta fit work in there and so you gotta fit family work all of that thing you know those matter and so we'll yeah. do it in two three to three day stints uh a lot of nights driving through the night just so we can make it happen yeah but it's what we live for well i think that i'm glad you brought that up because that's something that a lot of guys will be like you know they watch you on on jury you know and they're like well he's got all month off or or whatever and i feel like (laughs) people who don't really look into it don't realize it's like no he has he's you're making sacrifices from work and family 
to get the time that you need to be successful. And I feel like a lot of guys will watch, um, you know, for lack of a better term, TV hunters. Mm -hmm. And I, I hate that because it's not what it is, I guess. But and just think that all they're doing is hunting. And then when you work in the hunting industry, it's all just rainbows and butterflies. And all you do is hunt. That's not yeah. true. <laughs> No, there'll be a lot of nights. So where I hunt, where I grew up hunting, is a two and a half to a three hour drive from where I live. Mm -hmm. So like, especially November hits, if, if we got a good, you know, good set of mornings coming up, I'll leave my house at one, two in the morning. We'll hunt the morning till 10, 11. I'll drive home, work from noon, one o'clock until six, seven. And I'll do the same thing three or four or five days consecutively just so I can bounce. I can be home at night with the kids. I can be at work and Cody and I can be in the stand those mornings. See, that's, that's figuring a way I need to, to just get it done because there's a lot of people not willing to do those things that are so quick to judge you on making sacrifices and putting in a little bit of extra hours to make you make your hunting happen. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a, it's hard on the body and it's, it's mentally tough, but man, it's just what, what we live for is what i love to do and so early season yeah. it's funny it's opposite because i'll work in the mornings and then the evenings i'll head out you know noon one o'clock we'll go do an evening set i'll drive back to work and do the same thing the next day you know and so it's, yeah it's it's a balance and it's tough it's hard on the family um, yeah so that's part of it too and you have kids and all the dads out there know what i'm talking about so mm -hmm. i really try try to um and that's what i love about deer cast so much is you you hunt the days that matter and so if if there's a day that is marginal i'm not going to hunt it i'm going to spend time and be you know very uh what's the word i'm looking for purposeful in yeah. spending time at home and at work and then those so, days that are great we'll be out there that's a good point too because i think you know, a lot of people use deer cast for that reason. And then it gets judged. I'm not going to let an app tell me when and when not to hunt. Well, it's like, right. it makes you feel better. And I don't admit, I don't, I feel like this weird guilt if I'm not hunting and I feel that I should be, I'll have like this distraction in my brain of like, oh, I should be out there, but I'm at home, even though I'm having a good time with my kids and my family, you know, mm -hmm. I kind of have that, like, oh, I should be capitalizing on this and that's buck's going to move by. Cause I'm not there where I feel like, DeerCast will help me relax and just enjoy what I'm doing other than hunting that night. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. I agree with you hundred yeah. percent. Did you, did you um, struggle it, with that before? You know? Yeah. You know, we, you've always heard it. You can't kill them on the couch. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. you spend a lot of not pointless, but non-purposeful days hunting, especially in that November time frame. Yeah. You know, and if we don't have MRI and we don't have deer cast weather, front anything like you know there's no point in hunting um, mm -hmm. i mean there is it's, it's there a is. great time but when you have work-life balance you have to balance that and those are the days that that you just stay at home and yeah family driven and, uh, i feel like what we're uh, talking about i don't know what you want to categorize it as but that's like in my opinion the number one deer cast like selling point like mm -hmm. but and i feel like you're going to get your hard-ass guys that are going to be like screw that i'll see my family when i get done yeah. they just don't get it you know right. but i feel like that gets overlooked i did that like before i had kids i hunted mm -hmm. every time i could go hunting and was probably causing a little more harm than i was doing mm -hmm. good for my hunting 
especially when it counted, you know, that first good cold front in October, I already burn out a spot because I'm just thought the more I'm out there, the better, not always the case. Absolutely. You know, technology, and you can look at it very many ways, you know, but it's, it really helps you stay off your property and you don't realize it, but when you're off of that property, that big buck's going to show up more. And that's mm-hmm. probably the one thing I've learned the most over the last four or five years, especially from the, the team Drury guys is those lessons that they learned. Um, and, you know, I used to be the same way at hunt every chance I got. And mm-hmm. what you don't realize is, you know, that big buck's going to go nocturnal. And if you can, you know, watch your access, everyone says, Oh, access is everything. And at first I didn't quite grasp the concept. They literally mean bulletproof access. You can get in and get out with basically nothing. Uh, seeing you, hearing you, smelling you. And, mm-hmm. uh, you keep that pressure off. It's like right now, I've never had on the the part, place I own where I grew up, um, it's 77 acres, and it's not an early season spot. Typically, mm-hmm. once crops get in, they start coming in. It's big wooded bottoms, and I have a food pot. Well, for the first year, maybe 10 years, I have an early season buck showing up. Oh, really? Kids named him Moose. And, you know, some might get a chance to hunt him, but most of the time they're not there. And, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're really focusing more November hunts uh, at that particular time. So I'm, I'm, that's interesting because, so I purchased my, my wife and I purchased our first farm, a 40 acre piece. Um, and it's, it's one of those spots. I would explain it exactly like you just explained your spot. Like um, we've only owned it for a few months now. But it's one of those spots I'm just expecting it to be a late October, November rut spot. The The north end of it borders this little river. Um, it's more of a creek than it is a river. They call it a river. Um, and I'm expecting deer to just run that. And there's deer in there now. You know, I got a couple good bucks on there, but not like they're not living there. You can tell. Uh, but I do have deer living there. But it's I feel like it, a big buck spot late October, November. So I might have to get on the horn with you. And kind of see, I don't know if yours is like river bottom type ground or not. It's just a small spring creek bottom. Um, there's not a lot of food around. Um, but, you know, we plant knowing that it's probably going to be more of a October, November spot. Than I got you. Early season spot. Even mm-hmm. late season, it could be good. But at the same time, you know, the big bucks are there during the rut. Yeah. So plant to that, right? Don't try to force uh a rut property into an early season property or late season property, you know, make it the best of what it is. And yeah. Make it optimized for how the deer are going to use it pretty much. Absolutely. And I, I got a chance at this buck. He's been showing up. I mean, probably an upper forties, five and a half year old deer. We think. Yeah. Nice buck. Perfect um, buck to shoot. Really? Yeah. We got a chance at him. We'll see what happens here in the next few weeks, but uh, he's been around for the last month or so. So his name's moose. Moose, my oldest son named him. Like, awesome. He looks like a moose. I'm like, that's his name. Yeah, perfect. So the story of moose will follow up and see if you can get an arrow in him. That's cool. Yeah, you, so you, that's a farm you grew up hunting. Yeah. So it was my stepdad's growing up, and he's starting to retire a little bit, and asked if I wanted to buy any ground. And so it's actually the second piece I'd ever purchased. I had a piece that I I purchased out west that it's actually probably a better hunting piece. Mm-hmm. but this particular piece has a lot of sentimental value and right. actually kyle lamore's hunted on like turkey hunted with me he calls it sentimental farm because he every oh, time he cool. hunts there 
he gets uh, uh he feels he gets gar hole it gets the end of the turkey hunting. But, <laughs> um, you know, we killed turkeys on it this year. Um, I killed a uh, hundred fifty inch five by five off of it last year, and so um, awesome. Yeah. So and that Very was cool. actually the one on the water hole. And so oh, it's really neat. Yeah. I'm about to get, uh, I'm going to do that. I'm, I have one big plot that I, there's like a Creek. There is a Creek on one of the farms that I hunt, but now I just want to see if I can just put a cattle trough out there and fill it full and shoot a deer off a cattle trough. <laughs> it can't hurt you. You know, especially a lot of people pinch their plots, you know, 30 yards. Look yeah. into that pinch, put a water tank. Well, what you know what's funny hurt? about that? There is an old, where my food plot is this year, the previous owners, they used to camp in the spot and it just happens to be in a good spot. They had this old, they got a bunch of like big cobblestone rocks. So I have one circle in the middle of the plot where I might just get a tank that fits in the middle <laughs> of that and yeah. fill it full because it's already, yeah. it'll look all fancy. So maybe hey, that's what I'll do. Feel like you're in Ireland driving. You see all the big stone walls, you know? Yeah. Well, it's just a fire pit, you know, in a circle, but I can see it now. You know, I'm going to actually film a hunt for once and this big buck will be drinking out of this cattle trough and I'll shoot it and everyone will say I'm a high fence hunter and then, huh, then I'll work. Yeah, it's like, okay. Yeah. You'll, you'll get those comments and that's all right. I had some person said that that's baiting when I shot that deer over the water. On water? That's baiting. Yeah, baiting. <laughs> nice, that's thanks. Right. I, I mean, everyone has their opinion. That's great, you know, but he's a diehard, you know, tree sand <laughs> hunter hunting over acorns. I mean... Everyone's got their opinion. It's all right. You know how many deer I have killed out of cut cornfields? What's the difference? Right. Right. Oh, that's great. Man, like, do you guys get a lot of that? Do you see that being with jury and stuff like that? And you guys are obviously knowledgeable and successful hunters. Do you run into a lot of negative comments and stuff? You know, we don't because we're a little under the radar. You know, we don't have 20,000 yeah, followers though. on Instagram. Yeah, you're not like under the that. radar, though, man. You're on Drew. A uh, little bit, you know. Um, you know, a few negative comments here and there, but not nearly like some of the people do. I mean, yeah, especially some of the gals on the team, man. They get it's it's ruthless. I talked with Taylor and Mark about that, too. And I, I don't always like to bring that up, but I'm trying to transition from being bothered about it to finding it comical. You know what I mean? I don't get it. Why can't people just be happy? I mean, if, tough, if you're man. successful, that's awesome. It's it's yep. ego driven, and you know, it's it's even within the state, guys. You know, it's it's not yeah. a competition. It really isn't. It's, it's you and the deer, or whatever you're hunting. That's all. What it is. Yeah. Like success, and you know, size of deer, and all that. You know, I, I'm a guy. I love to hunt, and so Cody has to call me off half the deer that walk by. <laughs> I, you know, and he'll tell you it's so fun. He's like, no, Brian, no, Brian. I'm like, ah, you know, because I sound, just like being out there. You sound just like me to a point. Like, I like to kill big deer also, you know, if I can. But I just like to shoot, and I think it's fun. Like, I sat with Doug when we were in Africa, and mm-hmm. everything that walked by, I, I filmed him one morning. I'm like, hey, you should shoot this. He's like, dude. So he gets back to camp. He's like, don't bring Kurt with you if he's filming. He's just trying <laughs> to talk you into shooting anything that comes in. I'm like, I just, it's fun. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. So I've gotten better over the years, but I'm telling you, I, you know, size of the animal doesn't matter too much to me. If it gets my heart pounding, that's what matters. 
Yeah, you and I would be a dangerous duo if we were a hunter cameraman because we'd just be tipping shit over left and right. We wouldn't have any shortage of venison, that's for sure. <laughs> right. We'd have a lot of footage for Mark and Terry <laughs> and the guys, but they'd be like, man, you guys got to hold out a little bit. They'd call you up like, hey, uh, what'd you shoot that deer for? <laughs> uh-huh. It got me excited. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, But you, you need that. You need a, a partner like that that can be like, hey, man, maybe don't, but. But I know you like Cody's you, great. Yeah. We got to get Cody's him. I mean, yeah, he's great. You know, he'll, you know, he really pays attention and he'll want it like in his hunts, you know, he's always after a certain deer or two and um, he's very cautious what he shoots. Mm-hmm. I think he likes the encounters more than killing something, if that makes sense. And yeah. So uh, that man, he's, he's a machine, a great hunter, but he's yeah. good for me yeah because half the time we're together he's like all right brian no <laughs> yeah that's it's like uh he sounds like austin chandler to me my buddy you know austin's very selective i'm selective i don't want to paint that i'm not i am but and i know you are as well but uh i think we're talking about our inner monologue when we see something come in and it's like ooh, you start licking your lips a little bit you're like shoot some arrows yeah absolutely. <laughs> have some fun i mean that's what we're out there for you I'm know, not there to watch a deer, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, I have no shame in shooting a three-year-old. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> That's you know? awesome. I, so. You know, I I kind of got to the point where I've, I've killed a good pile of three-year-olds, and then now I'm like, okay, we need to we need to level up here and get out of like, – get a bunch more deer in that five-and-a-half-year-old mm-hmm. 160 class and up, and I'm doing my best, but, man, All you right. catch – you catch me on the wrong day. A good 125 yeah. runs by me fast enough and I get excited. Yeah. He catches one of the lungs sometimes. Um, I'm trying to make well, those fewer and far between. When you're managing your own ground, it's different too. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've really tried to be more selective and that's kind of one of the things we're, I'm trying to do personally is just be, you know, wait for that next age class and yeah. just yeah. be picky. And it really helps if you have pictures, you know, there's an, uh, a no-name buck or an unknown buck coming through. It's a lot harder than if it's some, uh, a buck you've had experience with. And, and I had that last year, a buck I named Lefty. I thought he was three, real nice, probably 130-inch, four-by-four heavy. When I first saw him, I thought he was a shooter and then realized who it was. And, and he gave me three or four opportunities throughout the season and uh, never shot him once. Mm-hmm. And and he actually got shot during rifle season and died a couple months later. Had mm. real bad injuries and stuff. But uh, um, but anyway, it, you know, he could have been my shooter this year. Yeah. So, well, do you feel with your own piece that you can manage? And, and this is kind of my perception. I've never had ground that I was like, I'm going to have this a really long time because it was always like a permission piece or, mm-hmm. hey, you can hunt here for a couple seasons and then – it was, it always felt so temporary to me. So I felt like any deer that was good, I had to take advantage of it versus like letting that three-year-old go to kill him four or five-year-old when he could put on another 40 inches. That was, that's how I felt. The guys who hunt, so our deer roam a lot. Uh, I know a lot of, you know, books you read, you know, they say deer's home range, 400 acres. To me, I swear it's a mile and a half. Mm-hmm. And so I'm friends with a lot of the guys who hunt around and we will share pictures and, you know, those guys are going to shoot what they feel like it at the same time. They're all trophy hunters as well. And so 
the deer I shot this year, two neighbors over was also hunting him as well and had him often. And, and I'm telling you, it's three quarters of a mile away. And, um, you know, it was transition zone on my property. He'd show up for two, three days and be gone. He'd show up mm -hmm. for two, three days and be gone for two weeks or whatever. So I bet you it was on his property more than it was on mine. After I shot him, he said, oh, hey, we were hunting that buck, this and that, you know. But, yeah. you know, he was happy for me. And, and same, the deer he shot, I had on my property. I was happy for him. And that's, to me, that's what neighbors should be. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. Do you have the relationship? Are you showing trail cam pictures of deer, or do, you, or is it the end of the season? Then the pictures kind of come you out. You know, we do. It's it's funny. I haven't showed anybody pictures yet because no one's asked. But honestly, yeah. last year we were sharing back and forth. These yeah. couple of guys I trust. Um, they're not going to come on mine. I'm not going to come on them. They're yeah. hunting fence lines, right? So, you know, right. they're going to follow the law, and, and I'm going to do the same. And and you know, they're getting pictures of the same deer I am. So. Yeah. Isn't it funny? There's like, I don't know. I'm a little more open with sharing trail cam pictures now with people that I respect and trust, right? You have to, because there's a lot of people that'll try to screw you over. Trail cam pictures can ruin a lot of things um, from relationships to whatever else negative it can lead into. We don't even need to talk about it, but now I think it's better to share trail cam pictures with people you trust that might hunt in the same area because they can be like, okay, I know there's an opportunity if I, if they don't, don't already have pictures of it. Okay. There's big deer in the area, November 5th, November 1st, the buck that stayed there could end up a mile that way and he could kill it. So maybe that'll keep them from passing or from shooting younger deer, knowing the opportunity for more mature deer is there. So that mindset hopefully would increase quality and mindset and everything for the area that you're in. So that, I think that's how it could benefit. We rarely get deer over 150. And so, you know, if I had a 170 inch or something or bigger out there, I would be a lot more guarded. Yeah. But like the deer I'm hunting right now, he's he'll be he'll be right close to 50, 150, you know. And mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I hope one of the other neighbors shoot him. I mean, he's a mature deer. If I don't get him, I hope they do, you know. So. Perfect deer to shoot at that point. I mean. It's interesting stuff. I mean, we could slice that one down a lot of different ways. Oh yeah, there are a lot of opinions out there, and it, and they're all right. You know, it's it's you know, yeah, be you, right? For sure. Well, man, you got a lot to look forward to. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. I think a lot to follow up on with you guys, with you and Cody, and see where everything goes. We need to get what we need to do. Ah, season's going to be tough, but after you guys, get, once we get through into October try to get you guys this way and have you guys both in studio for a couple Absolutely. of episodes. I, I won't be far from you sometime in the near future, but yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. it makes me want, since I'm going to be in Wyoming, I, I might just bring recording equipment with me. And then if, when I drive back through, I might just try and give you a holler. Absolutely. I'm happy and my hunt goes well and I'm feeling all chipper, you know? <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. I mean that you'll be driving right by us when you're coming back. So yeah, that well, sounds like a fun hunt. Maybe we could do that. Maybe we'll we'll figure something out on my drive back, and hopefully we all have animals down at that point and just a yeah. ton of stuff to talk about. Yeah, we're gonna have fun. We we might be killing time, but no matter what, we're gonna have fun. Well, you're gonna be you're gonna be a tired man from work and family time and hunting and driving and all that. So um, I, I'm glad we did talk about that, though. I, I think that's important that people need to realize to do the things that you guys are trying to do and maintain a work-life family balance 
that's that really it's your option that's the only thing you can do if you right. want to right especially as a dad and you you understand it too i mean you want to be there and it's hard it's hard you know hard on my wife when i'm gone and so it's my job to be around as much as humanly possible yeah same time as soon as kids are asleep and man is asleep i'll get on the road you know yeah cody and i'll you know we'll do what we can yeah it's kind of funny you know it's like i kind of look at that way too like the morning hunts once it's getting good it's like kids are going to get up and go straight to daycare or whatever anyway and then uh, i can get my morning hunts in when the morning hunts are good and then you feel a little bad in the afternoon until the time changes you know once the time changes you're like oh i'm home for dinner and all night right. so it gets a little easier Absolutely. but yeah. what what did we not cover we covered a lot kind of quickly but also in detail as a fun episode um, yeah and this is going to lead yeah. us into more follow-up episodes you know but yeah. You know, the biggest thing is just have fun no matter what you're doing. Be willing to try different things. Water holes have been uh, very good for Cody and I over the last couple of years. So this year, it's a big focal point of ours. We've had a major drought in Nebraska, more so than 2012, believe that. And mm-hmm. so we haven't found EHD yet. Um, at the same don't. time, uh, it very well could be there and we're just missing it. Mm-hmm. Same time, uh, you know those water holes are going to be key. And we actually did just catch a rain on Monday, inch and a half planted food plots on Saturday. So, I mean, that's a great feeling. Yeah. Um, so we might have some food too this year that we didn't have last year. Good. Well, I like the water and hold tips. I think that's awesome. I think you're already prepared for Africa and I'm mm-hmm. keep, I'm going to keep you in the loop on the next trip. We, I have to go back. It's mm-hmm. you'll love it. I think you'll yeah. feel right at home. Yeah, absolutely. You know, be willing to try different things. You know, if you're a tree stand guy, be willing to try the ground blind. If you're mm-hmm. a ground blind guy, be willing to try spawn stock. You know, just uh, going to make you a better hunter if you're, you know, if you try different things and, and yeah. have fun while you're doing it. It doesn't hurt to be more well-rounded and do things out of your comfort zone. I mean, I feel like once you get outside your comfort zone in a hunting tactic, I feel like you absorb it a little differently. Like, First time antelope hunting in South Dakota. It's like, I've never done anything like that. Right. So there's so much. I mean, there's really not a ton of terrain features in certain spots there is. So you pick the tallest piece of grass and use that as your, <laughs> as your or a fence post. Or a fence it's post. the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. And it <laughs> works. Yeah. Yeah. You can, it's funny how you kind of like, if you look at it from a distance, you're like that's never going to work. And then you get into it and then you're like, oh yeah, this, I'm going to make this work. Think skinny. It's kind of funny. <laughs> You know, and and that's a good point. When in doubt, be aggressive. One of mm-hmm. me and Cody's mantras when we're hunting, and if you need to get an extra thirty yards, and the deer are looking at you or can see you, just go slow and do mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah, that's what it's going to take to potentially get a shot. You know, that's what we did last year in Wyoming. Um, the, the deer could see us in plain sight, and we had like a two D doe decoy, and you got yeah. Cody and I, you know, an yeah. inch of an hour it seems. Uh, <laughs> just to be able to get a shot so yeah you got to do it and that's and being successful see that's even better see when you do stuff out of kind of your normal comfort zone and you pull it off it's even better of a feeling you know so my uh rifle turned into a single shot i lost my clip somewhere in there oh, i shit. get there i'm like oh man i got i'm digging through my bag to put a shell in the chamber you know? <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it was a memorable hunt we had a lot of laughs after that 
that's awesome, man. Well, I'm looking forward to see what happens here in the next. I mean, gosh, dang, you said, I mean, yeah, the next three weeks, it's scary. Like I leave for my elk in two and a half weeks. It's, it's a problem. It's I'm we're prepared, right? I'm more prepared than I think I am, especially mm -hmm. shooting my bow the way I did the last few weeks, but it just sneaks up on you and you're juggling life and you just, I get, I get anxious. I'm like, oh, there's so much to do. And there is, there's a lot to do. So that first time of the year is a big deal. You got an animal and the bow in hand. I mean, you have an advantage having shot your bow at an animal, but every year it seems like you should go out and shoot a doe right away just to yep. get the jitters out, get the confidence up, you know. I do the, I, that's how I feel. You seem I to move a thing. lot too. And so if you can, you know, that first hunt just be dialed in, ready to go, it's for sure the mental game. It is too. I like, I, I break the ice on a doe. I try to, mm -hmm. but yeah. I'm the same way. And plus, I'm sentimental a little bit, not sentimental superstitious maybe more as a term where i i get a new bow and i'm like i have to make sure it's capable like i had to break it in but we already did that in africa so maybe i'll be a little more calm when i go on my elk hunt and go on my first yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll yeah. see well cool man well, this is a new, ton of fun yeah we'll have to do it again shooting the new matthews uh this year and so yeah. i haven't broke that one in on an animal it might be a cow elk well, that'd be perfect. That'd be a great way oh, to start it off. Yeah, well, cool. I'm hoping I have a big bull elk to run by you uh, when I drive through Nebraska on the way home. So we'll keep in touch, man. Best of luck to you. I feel like we should keep talking for another two hours this episode. Oh, we could. Well, easy, easy. But we'll get you guys in the studio or I'll talk to you at your guys' home base on the way home and, and we'll make it happen. So let's do it. Where can people find you? So Instagram, Brian Weiss underscore Drury Outdoors, uh, Facebook page, um, just critical mass on the outdoor channel, Tuesday nights, 930 Central. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening, watching, supporting us here on DeerCast. We appreciate it all. And uh, I think people want Mark Drury to host all of our podcasts now after last week's episode. So thanks for the feedback on that, guys. And you know what to do. Go shoot a giant. Appreciate you guys. life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv